0: The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I am your host, Jess, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you have going on today. Thanks for joining us. I am joined today by Mr. Bill, a man of many lives and a jack of all trades. Mr. Phil, thank you for joining us. It's great to meet you. Great to meet you. Thank you for having me. So, I'm going to hand it over to you. You have a very interesting life story, and wherever you would like to start that story, I'm, I'm along for the journey. Okay.
1: Let's all start at the beginning. No. <laughs> I, I have, you know, three stories. Uh, and as I was uh, saying earlier, First part, I, I was a student. I was a good student. I got a scholarship to the University of Michigan. Uh, I went there, studied nuclear physics. Then uh, I got caught having sex with my girlfriend. So I married her and I moved, we had a kid. So I moved to Chicago where our parents were. The babysitters took too much acid. Uh, dropped out of school with a half a year to go, and uh, went back to Michigan and started playing music professionally. I had taken piano lessons for twelve years, all during grade school and high school, but this was completely different. Uh, learning songs by ear off of record, and I worked hard at it. I, you know, I had a practice regimen that was like ten hours a day, and uh, you know, then I would play at nights. I read every Book in the end, our public library on music during that time, but the marriage wasn't going too well, and I decided that if I couldn't be happy playing music, because I made the decision I was gonna I was gonna be a musician or I was gonna die. I gave myself no outs, so uh, that began then you know phase two, and at first it was tough, but. Uh, I did that for 27 years. Uh, of course, I left my wife in 74. Well, I actually left in 72, but we got the divorce in 74. I've been to 40 of the 50 states and five foreign countries on somebody else's nickel playing, which is wonderful. So I got to travel a lot. Uh, October 5th, 1981. I started feeling bad because I had two kids that I hadn't talked to in seven years. Uh, and so that, and the fact that you drinking was, was mostly drinking back then. Well, I, that was my drug of choice, but I found that if I did Coke, I could drink more. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, I quit. And I, and I used the 12-step program to do that. And uh, I was successful and my life got better instantly. You know, I started getting gigs that I hadn't gotten before. I you know, I had been getting fired from groups and whatnot. And all of a sudden I was, I was just calls were coming in and I was working, making really good money. It wound up, I wound up in New York, Manhattan, you know, working for a management company. And that's an interesting story because the lady that run it, ran it, actually, uh, she did it off of uh, embezzled finances. We found out later, um, but uh, anyway, uh, on October fifth, nineteen eighty-five, four years to the day, I met who the person that was to become my second wife, and uh, she. So we got married a year later, uh, and then. Uh, a year after that, the company fell apart. So uh, we, had, we had our first kid, actually my third and her third. So there was my two, her two, and then we had a second one and our two. So we moved to, uh, to Arizona because I had a gig. The company fell apart. I had a gig in Arizona. So we moved here. And uh, at first, we were up in the uh, Pine Top Lakeside area which I loved. And uh, the music industry is not real profitable up there. So we got into an argument and I said, well, he's going to take away this dream. I'll just substitute another one. I said, I'll become an attorney. Cause I've met a lot of attorneys along the way, especially in New York. And I figured I could do that. And uh, so I, I had to go back. I had to start from the beginning because it had been 25 years since I'd been to college and they weren't going to give me any credit for it. So I went to Northland Pioneer College, got an associate's degree, took a satellite program at the University of Phoenix and got a bachelor's degree, got accepted at ASU and U of A. But I picked ASU and went to law school there and I became uh, an attorney at the, uh, took the bar on our anniversary. Uh, which was interesting because it was in Tucson. So I was in a, you know, lonely motel room with index cards on our anniversary studying. And we, uh, you know, passed the bar. So got my license and I started practicing law. And I did that until, uh, that was at the age of 46. And two years ago in January, I, I retired, but I never quit music. I tried, but I couldn't. And so, you know, and I still do that to this day. Uh, and uh, and then uh, you know, I had an inclination. Uh, I was married to to Jean for uh 32 years, and uh, two years shy of our 32nd wedding anniversary, uh, she committed suicide. Now, I, I knew that she was going to, I knew that I would outlive her. I always figured that because she was. I'm pretty easygoing during the pregnancy season. We go to the doctor, they take the blood pressure. Say, oh, take mine, take mine. And they come in like at hundred over 63, you know, ridiculously low levels. You know, you've got blood pressure of a 12 year old. And I go, yeah, well, at this point, I know how to roll with the punches. She did not, she was just the opposite. She was very uptight, which is a throwback to the sixties and seventies uptight. Uh, so I figured I would up liver and But I never figured it would happen like that. She was in an accident, and she had a history of uh, she got the stenitis. Mm -hmm. Spine started to freeze up. She was in a lot of pain, Um, and uh, I I believe she went to the she went into the hospital like the week before. And I, at the time, I was in Mexico with our older son uh, getting he was getting dental work, and I was there, you know, to. Babysitter, although he was an adult, uh, and uh, so I called when I heard she went in. She said, "No, no, it's fine." She was in for a day, and I really think that that she got cancer. I really think that's what it was, but you know HIPAA and all that, they couldn't say anything. Uh, and so that was a Tuesday, and she committed suicide. Which, as I said, I thought I was going to outlive her, but I just. I didn't think it was going to be like that because she was uh, a devout Catholic. Uh, I'm a recovered Catholic. At least that's how I introduced myself. And uh, she was a devout Catholic. And also, you know, there had been some suicides along the way. You know, friend of ours, uh, friends of ours, their kid, when he was 19, committed suicide. She was very outspoken about how that was wrong he didn't do that. So uh, the, the consensus is that she had contracted cancer and just decided to check out. But still, uh, pissed off her kids. They were very mad at her for that. Uh, and it's you know been four years and a month since that time. And you know you don't get over it. You get through it. It's the pain is less now. I mean, it took me a year to cry. Uh, so there was that event. About a year later, I went to Japan. Uh, I have I have four children, uh, two from the first marriage, two from the second, and uh, half of my children, the oldest and the youngest, so oldest from the first, youngest from the second, uh, live there. Two of my four children and eight of my ten grandchildren live there, and I visit with them. It was wonderful, and I wanted to go back, so. April 2020, I had tickets to go to Japan, but then COVID hit in January, couldn't go to Japan. I was still getting over my wife's suicide. And uh, yeah, so I started uh, using opiates. And uh, I tried uh, cold turkey a couple of times, I couldn't do that. Tried weaning myself up, I couldn't do that. And I realized that uh, I was going to die, <laughs> you know. I mean, the way I was going, uh, I was going to die, uh, and so I, I was terrified. I uh, think you know, I was more terrified of that than I was earlier when I when I quit the first set of drugs back in '81. So I, uh, fortunately, uh, at my age, I, I have Medicare and, and Advantage plans, so. I, I called on a Friday and I was in uh, rehab on Saturday and uh, and I'd already, you know, thank God for, for the 12-step programs because I knew it worked because I haven't had uh, alcohol in almost 41 years now, you yeah. know, so uh, but I knew I had to work at it, so I, uh, you know, I, I liked rehab. I was there for 22 days. I got out February, I had a mild relapse in April uh, for four days, but then I stopped again. And so my uh, clean date is uh, 4-13-21. Uh, I guess I've got what, almost 16 months. Yeah, two days short of 16 months. No, no, 4-13. I'm six days past 16 months. Okay. And uh, that's kind of where I am. You know, that's kind of how I got here. All right. Currently, I live with my son, Matt. He was the older of the two by my second marriage. And uh, we have an apartment, thank God. But uh, I'm currently, uh, I'm fighting depression. And I have a I have a bad hip. I've developed... Uh, arthritis in my hip and it's down to a square peg in a round hole i need uh, i need hip surgery i need a hip replacement but the doctor won't do it until i quit smoking for six weeks that's my last vice oh i should introduce myself as a viceaholic, right because if it's illegal immoral or fattening i'll abuse it right so uh you know so there's the fact that i'm not as mobile as i once was i was oh yeah uh, in high school, the scholarship I got, I got a scholarship because I was a caddy. And I was a caddy uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, another gentleman who also was a caddy at the same country club was known, uh, a guy named Bill Murray, who you may have heard of. So, and he was the same person then that he is now. I mean, you know, he he did nothing to be who he is. He's just a cut up, you know. But uh, I caddied at this country club for eight years. Uh, And uh, as a result, if you were poor, smart, and a caddy, you you could get a scholarship. So I,
0: I did. The last 16 months, how have you been maintaining your sobriety, knowing that you're still, you know, experiencing some depression and some physical discomfort, those types of things?
1: Well, I have a counselor and I have a psych nurse. And I'm on medication for that. Uh, I have hypothyroid, so I'm taking medication for that. So it's antidepressant and the levothyroxine, are the only thing, and the cigarettes, and, and that's it. Well, coffee, and and that's it, and that's all I need. And this drink umbrella. No, uh, I digress. And I have a they say counselor and psych nurse, right? Mm-hmm. I, I attend uh, NA, Narcotics Anonymous twice a day thank god for the online meetings because i have a car and i share it with my son but it's not very reliable in fact right now it's parked somewhere we got to go get it and take it somewhere and get it fixed so between the transportation and my bum hip i don't get out as much as i'd like to which i know adds to the the uh you know the depression so but what I have to do is, is uh, not beat myself up because that's a that's a snowball rolling downhill because you're depressed, so you don't do anything and you beat yourself up for not doing anything. You get more depressed, so you do less, you beat yourself up some more, <laughs> you know? And I don't want to go that route. So I, I work on doing things that I like. I, I like playing piano. I like practicing and learning new things, even though I really don't need to practice anymore because uh, I'm really good at what I can do. I learned, and I learned something from from playing piano that I, I carry over into my into my non-musical life. Let's put it that way. I used to. I worked with a lot of big names uh, and a lot of keyboard players and other musicians that were just monsters. They were just incredible. I go, oh man, you're you're like a monster. Oh, no, no, you're the monster. And I went, no, no. And I began to realize that they did things that I couldn't do, but I did things that they couldn't do. And, And it's that way in life, you know, as a person there are things about me that are me and make me unique. And there are things about you or anybody that are unique about them. Uh, I think it was, uh, it was either Don Miguel Ruiz or Deepak Chopra. I like to do a lot of reading on uh, metaphysical, philosophical, religious, spiritual things. I really enjoy the, uh, the books with dummies and the uh, idiot's guide books. They're really well written. But uh, you know, I realized that there are things about me that are unique, you know, and if you find what it is about you that's unique, you, you do that. I, I was told uh, at one point, look, Bill, why don't you just work hard, make a lot of money, and then do what you love? And I thought, well, why don't I just do what I love? And, and the money will come. And uh, it's worked out. Even when I was an idiot, I I tell people at 12-step meetings, I I have three rules. One is somebody up there likes me. Two is money falls from the sky. And three is do your best and have fun. And when I do that, things are good. As you know, the 12-step program lets you define your own higher power. But the somebody up there that likes me has liked me or loved me regardless of what I've been doing here. You know, if I was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, 60s and 70s, go for it. I lived that. Yeah. It, he, she, it was still there. And gave me money. But I did. I did my best. And I enjoyed myself. And I I also discovered that when you're doing what you love, it's, it's timeless.
0: When you look back on your life, is there anything that stands out to you that you regret?
1: No. (laughs) You know, if I had to do it all over again, would I do it all the same? Well, with the information that I have now, I might make different decisions, but I didn't have that information then. And the only way you get the information is by making the decisions and seeing what happens. I, I do remember I was in high school and Talking with my mom, and I go. She go, well, don't do this. And I go, Ma, I have to do it because I have to find out for myself how this works. Uh, and I've since heard that wisdom comes from experience, and experience is usually a bunch of bad decisions. And aside from the depression, I like where I am now. I, you know, I rebuilt my relationship with my two oldest children from the first marriage. We are great. I know who all my grandkids are. I speak to them, you know, at least once a week. I speak to my daughter uh, every day. Uh, I live with my older son from the second marriage. Uh, You know, I know who all the grandkids are. I got a great family. And uh, so aside aside from the depression, you know, which I'm working on, it's like, "Ah, I'll figure this out. I figured everything else out. It'll all work out. It always does, uh, and you got to believe in that. And it seems like it's always at the eleventh hour, you know, just when you're about to give up, boom, something happens, and uh, you know, and then it, and then it's all okay.
0: You've lived such an amazing life, or, or lives rather. Um, if someone were struggling right now with depression, with Um, substance use, what would you tell them?
1: I'd tell them, somebody up there loves you. (laughs) Two, money falls from the sky. It'll all work out. It always does. Three, do your best. Have fun. Don't kill yourself. Stick around. Do what you love. Do what you love and it'll work out. That's what I would tell them. Don't give up. I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, I was successful as an attorney. I was successful as a, as a musician is I, I didn't give up. I didn't give myself an out. Just keep going. You now, that's your decision. Just do it. And you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it
0: out. It's been so inspiring talking to you today and hearing your story. Thank you so much for sharing it.
1: Oh, you're quite welcome. I, I enjoyed it as well.
0: That was wonderful.
1: Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it.
0: Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602 You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara Lamontine, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.